Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. On this edition, we're talking union hockey and college hockey. We'll have comments from Union Men's Head Coach Rick Bennett and Dutch Women's Head Coach Josh Skiba. And I'll talk with Union Men's Associate Head Coach Jason Tapp about becoming a United States citizen. Mike uh, McAdam joins me, the Union Hockey Beat Writer. Mike, uh, welcome back, and uh, how are you feeling? Oh, just wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Enjoy the week off. Where'd you go? <laughs> week off? I don't even know how what that term means, yeah. to tell you the truth. We have other things going on over here yeah. besides college hockey. So yeah. they find stuff for us to do when, when Union's not playing. Yeah, it. that was a very unusual uh, bye week for the Dutch, but weekend for the Dutch, because I've never – in my years covering, we there was never a February first weekend of February they had off. You, you're at that point, you're getting ready for ECAC hockey play. Uh, yeah, Rick Bennett addressed that uh, situation. Where you'll, you'll hear that in his comments in uh, when we have his uh, media availability comments later. But it just, I mean, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing to have this time? I mean, besides the circumstances of why it turned out that way, I think it's a little bit of a double-edged sword based on circumstances. That 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 being yeah, it's a, it's a good thing because you get a chance to get your body healed up at a crucial point in the season. You know, um, uh, Sean Harrison and Darian Hanson, I talked to them this week, and they both said, yeah, it was kind of refreshing to just kind of, you know, rejuvenate your, your body a little bit. In fact, hips don't lie. Darian Hanson said that's one part of a goalie's anatomy that they have to – it's kind of high maintenance. So he, And he said he feels like a million bucks after, you know, taking a, a you know, couple days off or a weekend off. They also got a couple of days off basically from hockey to, to get caught up on academic stuff. So they, the stress of that won't be hanging over their head. So that's the good thing. The bad thing I would say is, you know, you can't, at this point in the season, you, you don't want to like have to suddenly stop and start up again, especially based on their last game, which was that four, three win over Dartmouth, which, you know, probably was their best start to finish overall performance of the whole year. Um, notwithstanding the, uh, the three, three Cornell tie. So it, you know, they kind of expressed a little bit of regret of, yeah, it would have been cool to come right back at it after that really good game and kind of, you know, bottle the things they did in that game. But, um, you know, the trade-off, they, it sounds like they, they're they're pretty positive about the fact that you just get to recharge and, and, and uh, reju- rejuvenate your body a little bit. But the problem is their first game from back from the uh, break is against second-ranked Cornell. Cornell. Welcome back to the ECAC <laughs> after that weekend off. But the thing is, I mean, they did tie Cornell last month at Messerink a 3-3 tie, but, you know, circumstances be as amazing. You, know, you call, Cornell's going off a weekend sweep of Colgate, and they did play Sunday because the game went last Friday was postponed because of the weather. But uh, you still go in the hostile environment, line of rink. It's, I mean, they have to play the same way they did at Mesa back in January. That's one thing, and but they also carried out of that game the word believability, which is what the word that Rick Bennett used. Um, they – now they know they can hang with this team. Now this is a new, fresh game here, and both Darian and Sean Harrison said um, they think Cornell might have taken them a little bit lightly last time. At the time, Cornell was number two, and right after that weekend, they were elevated to one, and they're back down to two in the country now in the rankings. Um, they thought, you know, they probably looked at the standings and figured Union would be an easy, you know, 
you know, an easy win. And it turned out not to be the case. It was, you know, a 3-3 tie Cornell against Union this season is a win for Union and a loss for Cornell. And they're expecting them to have like a serious chip on their shoulders coming back this time, as well as playing in a, you know, tough rink to play in. You know, Colgate's going to be difficult as well and has already shown that they can beat Union this season. But um, they're bracing for a different Cornell team this time. Hey, we, uh, as you mentioned, Dartmouth was the last game that Union played, a 4-3 victory, a game they were up 4-1 after two periods. And the key goal of that game was Sean Harrison scoring with just under a second left. You had a chance to talk with him earlier this week about that goal, and uh, what did he say about yeah, it? Yeah, and it was it was a beauty um, on several levels, not the least of which um, they didn't settle for 3-1 to one going into the second intermission. You know, seems like a pretty good lead to have, especially based on the way they were playing, but – he said he was actually surprised, and I looked at the video again today, uh, this morning, and uh, Michael Ryan, the sophomore defenseman, picked up the puck like deep in his defensive end. He was like on the edge of the the left faceoff circle, and was not under any pressure. And instead of just kind of like lollygagging it up there, and he picked it up with like 6.7 seconds left in the period, instead of just being you know being satisfied with three one going to the locker room. He fires it up the left end, uh, sideboard to Vas Kolias at the blue, the, you know, the far blue line. And he skates into the middle, you know, across the line. Sean Harrison was just kind of camped out on the right side. And when he saw Kolias break into the middle, you know, the, the top of the slot, he went straight to the, uh, the right circle, was unguarded. Kolias gave it to him, and he didn't waste any time. He rifled it. Um, he told me that he wasn't um, – he knew where he was aiming, but he didn't bother to look to see where he was aiming because he didn't feel like he had the time. He knew what the time situation was. And then they scored, and you look at the clock, and there's a tenth of a second left. And it was it turned out it was a great goal, but it also turned out to be a huge one because, you know, here comes Dartmouth got two yeah. back in the third period, and they needed that one too. Yeah, I mean, obviously the way Union's been playing this year, they really can't be satisfied with a you know, two-goal lead, nope. I mean, a three-goal lead. I mean, they, they have to find, you know, obviously find a way to score goals, which has been a, been a problem all year. Uh, you also talked to Darian Hanson. I'm just looking at his numbers this year. Of the 1,703 minutes and 53 seconds that uh, the goaltenders have played, he has played 50 t- 1,592 minutes and four seconds. So did he talk about uh, – was it a good – you mentioned about the fact that he was able to rest his head. I mean, overall, was he happy to get maybe that game off against Darby, which gave him an extra – plus the extra week? He said it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, I said at this point, the season must be a blur for you. And, you know, you hate to assume that you're going to be in there every game, but you knew before the season that he was going to be in there uh, pretty much every night, no matter what, <clears throat> you know, unless he got hurt, which yeah. he hasn't, you know, he's been one guy who's been healthy on this team all season. Um, but he said, yeah, you know, in retrospect, it, the season has been kind of a blur and you're constantly in go mode and it didn't hurt to take a step back coupled with the weekend off, you know, which traces back to what we were saying before about getting your body right. Um, so, and he is just has the personality that he's not going to, he's going to see the big picture and not be selfish. And, you know, for one thing that would send a horrible message to the rest of the team. Um, you know, it's 30, he, he said he doesn't expect to, to play every game and one game off is not the end of the world. Um, it kind of reinvigorated him, got his body right. Um, he, he, it was an adjustment this season because, you know, we wrote about this last year when it was him and Jake Kuski, the two-headed monster, and you never knew who was going to be in that until toward the end of the year when when Hanson kind of wrestled that for his own. 
Um, but at the time I wrote about that last year, both of them said, you know, all through junior juniors, every level I've played, it, this has always been the case. So they were used to being like a platoon kind of situation. And this was actually a new thing for Hanson this year. And he said, yeah, it didn't, it, you know, it was not the end of the world. He didn't get mad. He tried to help Graziano as much as he could. He's still technically a co-captain, even though, you know, they don't yeah. technically wear the C's anymore. So, um, and so he has an obligation and responsibility to not be a jerk about it, but that's his personality anyway. So I, I wasn't really surprised. Well, here, let's take a look at the standings in ECAC hockey. And everybody's played uh, 16 league games. There's six league games left in the regular season. Union's got four of them on the road. Uh, besides Cornell on Friday, they go to Colgate Saturday. Uh, their last home games will be Princeton and Quinnipiac next weekend, and they close out <laughs> at Dartmouth and Harvard. Union in 10th place, uh, four points behind Yale for the final uh, home ice spot in the first round. I mean, they also have to climb over Brown in order to get to Yale. To me, I just I, I can't see them getting home ice. I, really don't take a miracle. Either. I don't see it either because they really have two big strikes against them. One is the schedule, and two is how much ground they have to make up. And, and back to the schedule a little bit, I mean, out of those six games – Four of them are, are against teams that are in the top five in the standings right now. Granted, they played well against Harvard in the first period. For one of them, they tied Cornell. So they've shown that they can hang to some degree against those teams. But, man, they, there's no, like, soft spots, and they're really going to have to have their game for all six games. And the other thing is, just mathematically, it's going to be difficult because – uh, for one thing, Dartmouth is. A, I, you know, I'm going to let RPI go, and I'm going to I'm going to let them have home ice because they're in great shape, and they've been really having a nice, you know, maybe quietly having a nice season over there in Troy. But the three teams that had a union right now, Dartmouth, Yale, Brown, the only one union is going to be able to get their hands on, you know, directly is is Dartmouth. So those other teams are going to be able to do what they can without any interference from a team like Union that's trying to, you know, uh, jump over them. Yeah, I just yeah, I mean, I look at that schedule. I mean. The only winnable games I see are the Princeton game. Princeton, I mean, two years ago they're the, they're the ECAC tournament champions, and now they're one twelve and three in the league and three sixteen and four overall. They they fall off the cliff. You just wonder was that there was just a one hit wonder uh, back in a couple of years ago, and maybe they can win at Dartmouth. I mean, you know, they did beat Dartmouth here. I think Dartmouth's been a little shaky the last few games, but I I, I, I don't see them winning Friday. I mean, I don't see them. I mean, I see giving Colgate a tough game Saturday, but I don't see that winning that game, and I don't see them beating, beating Quinnipiac, and I don't see them uh, beating Harvard in the last game of the regular season. Well, put it this way, to illustrate how they're up against it if if and how much they have to get is maximize the points out of every game. The six remaining games, the previous results, they've only gotten five of potential 12 points out of the, these six opponents in the first time they got through them. And the Princeton game, you talked about Princeton kind of dropping off the map a little bit, and they're back in 11th place. I mean, Union needed overtime to beat them, too. So you get two points out of that one. So um, based on history this season and, again, how much ground they have to make up, they're really up against it. Yeah. Well, coming up, we'll have the thoughts of Union men's head coach Rick Bennett and Dutch women's head coach Josh Skiba. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Hi, this is Union College football coach Jeff Behrman. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette, Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. 
Back on the Party Shots podcast, along with Mike McAdam, I'm Ken Schatz. Rick Bennett met the media Wednesday for his weekly press conference. Here's what he had to say. Uh, was this just a, a scheduling quirk having the last weekend off, or is this something you look at maybe doing in the future? Well, it usually ties around Harvard with the bean pot, so we always have to, to do some stick handling around it, and this is the way it kind of play played out. Was it good for your team to have that? Ask me that question next week at this time. But did, did the fact, what, what are you able to accomplish when you have a week off? What do you guys do? Uh, the guys had a chance to, to focus on academics going into the last six games uh, plus playoffs. I think that's rest up for the guys that were sick. So, you know, it was based on feedback. It was used wisely, so... <laughs> We'll see how it goes. You know, it's unusual, you know, the last month of the season, you're you know, looking for you know, points and standings you know, to have that week off. I mean, it just it doesn't seem like it's beneficial in that way in regards to, you know, trying to catch teams. Everybody's, you know, they're, they're catching up basically, they're getting their games at hand and maybe some making some more some distance away from you guys. Well, the last time I checked, we had two games in hand and everyone else has six games the last, uh, the end of the year, so we're all even at this time, so. To me, it's a, a wash. Do you watch the scoreboards now or not? I mean, you know what position you're in. You know what position you're in in, in yeah. the league. You, obviously, you'd love to have home ice in the first round of the playoffs. But you guys have some work to do to do that. Yeah. What no, I've never been really caught up in all that. Um, just always been focused on our, on our team, mm-hmm. regardless of positioning. Do you do you check scores? Certainly, but I'm not on that phone <laughs> religiously trying to uh, watch second by second. Um, the, the only thing that matters is at the end <laughs> what, what the score actually was and and how it will kind of you know ben- benefit us. And that's really about it. What will it take to duplicate the effort you had against Cornell here to do that at uh, lineup? Have that same type of urgency going right from the start um, to finish. Um, actually, reading his comments, they win 5-3 and he's all over his team about not 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 playing for 60 minutes. So, you know, we, we know that we've got to match that. Um, that's always been a staple, but trying to get that across is a whole different ball game. So I would think consistency through the three periods is crucial. Um, as far as getting into the technical stuff, I'll, I'll leave that out. You've talked, it seems like it wasn't that long, but it was, when the season started, how young you were and it was going to be, it was going to be a process, it was going to take some time. Now that you are here at the tail end, what progress have you seen in this group and is it at the point where it should be right now? Well, first of all, I don't think I have ever said the word young, so I'm not not using that. I'll never use that. So, um, and should is a dangerous word. So, I'm, I'm. Our coaching staff is pleased with the results, you know, from the first year guys, um, sophomore group, um, the juniors and seniors are, are, are definitely pitching in, you know, as well. So. 
you know, collectively, it's, uh, yeah, it's not the record we wanted, but it's, <laughs> you are what you are. So hopefully we can, you know, curb that the last six in playoffs. Goaltending situation, you started Graziano um, the last game, uh, is Darian back in, and do you think maybe they're getting that extra game <coughs> off plus the, the week off maybe uh, focus, gets his focus back a little bit? Uh, stay tuned on the goalie situation. So, you know, we'll we'll play that one out. We still have two practice days left, um, and they're they're battling it out. So, yeah, that's that's where that stands. I mean, looking back, do you maybe wish you gave gave Darren maybe a little couple games off early in the season, maybe get uh, uh, pipes in there a little bit to give him some game time instead of you know, I mean, do you think Darian's worn down for playing all those games? Possibly, but how do you know? And unless you play him through those adverse times, um, that's what we talked about early in the year. Is is his hurdle this year was going to be being the number one goalie over over the course of a season, where he wasn't the first two years here. So, well, I think he's done a nice job being our number one goalie, and. You know, now he's in a little bit of a adverse situation. We'll see the next time he gets in net how he how, how he actually responds. So it's, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing for him. I really do. What have you thought of Graziano? How he's performed when he's had the chance? Uh, <laughs> admirably. I think he's done a real nice job coming in. It's not the easiest situation to come in at, you know, the halfway point when the team's pretty much well established. And I thought he's, he's fit in quite well. Uh, guys really like him, and he's worked hard. And he's competed, and that's why he got his, you know, a start. What's the message you're giving to this team with six games left in the regular season? What do you tell them? Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not what I'm telling them. It's, it's not. We're just we're going over the same thing, our, our identity and, and, and how, how we want to play. You know, for me to start, Start up on the big speeches and all that. That's not the. That's not the time. We're just focusing, and just like I said before, it's just about us. We focus on ourselves, and you worry about playing a good team game. The rest will take care of itself. There's only one team you're playing left that's behind you. Mm-hmm. It's not like you've got an easy road here. And four mm-hmm. on the road. And that's. I, I think that's a positive. That's what you want going in the playoffs. That's. That's how I see it. And the tougher it is, these last six, it's only going to help you. You get battle-tested for playoffs. Well, Mike, I was intrigued by uh, Rick's answer about the goaltending. He said, stay tuned. And, of course, that press conference was on Wednesday. We're taping this on Thursday. So by the time you listen to it, maybe uh, we'll start. I mean, don't you come back with Darian after the you know, time off? Well, first of all, for background purposes, I wasn't at the media thing on Wednesday because I was covering a skiing meet way up in the Adirondack Mountains. And uh, so I met with Rick one on one on Tuesday to get ahead of uh, things. And I didn't even bother asking him who was going to be because I knew he was going to lean on his his stock answer of stay tuned, which is one of his um, go to index cards right. that that he comes out with. Um and I didn't bother asking him because I, I think it would be absurd to see anybody but Darren Hansen back in the net, especially after he got recharged and 
And uh, I mean, he he really would have had to be goofing off in practice yeah. this week, which we know that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I fully expect him to be in there. And I mean, Rick has to say that because he, he it's a pretty common thing with coaches anyway. They don't they don't they don't have to reveal who's the goalie's going to be. They they don't have to say anything, no matter how you know. So like, clearly, uh, you know, the picture is so like saying you don't have to reveal the injury. So <laughs> anyway, um, the Union Women's Hockey Team, meanwhile. As four games left in the regular season, the Dutch women are three points behind St. Lawrence for the final ECAC hockey playoff spot. They face Dartmouth at Messerink on Friday and Harvard on Saturday. Here's what head coach Josh Skiba had to say. Big game for you this week, uh, starting with Dartmouth. Uh, you, 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 three points back uh, this late in the season. What, what's going to take to you know, catch, uh, get that eighth, eighth seed in the, in the playoffs? Well, I think I think you know against Dartmouth. I thought last time we played those guys at at their place. I thought we had one of the the best games, certainly the best first period of the season. Scored three goals, went up three nothing, ended up tying the game three three. But um, for us, I mean, we've got to we've got to rebound after last weekend, come back and, and continue to play the hockey that we were playing here in the second half. And I thought um, you know we're starting to establish uh, more the way we want to play. And I think uh, our kids are uh, pretty confident in terms of how we want to be and day in and day out and I think uh, you know we got away from that a little bit this past weekend uh, against Princeton and QPAC but I think just getting back on track with that and making sure that we're ready to, to outwork our opponent will be kind of the recipe for us. How much has this team grown in the last month? <laughs> um, I think not even just the last month I think over the course of uh, over the entire season I think um, you know our standards our expectations have, have gone way up in terms of what we think this team can accomplish and I think um, we've seen some consistency develop in different situations and, and we've seen some players um, continue to, to, to play better and better over the course of the season as well so um, I don't even think it's just the last month it's been really uh, over the course of the last season and you know for uh, for people like the seniors a, a course of, of four years of, of development for them. What about the uh, health of the team obviously flu was a problem last week yeah. I mean Especially with the goaltending situation, what's the status for everybody? Yeah, so we're healthy. We're, we're finally healthy. Um, we got people back in the lineup here, so um, looking at a full lineup going into the weekend, which is which is huge. Up next, I'll have an interview with the newest United States citizen, Union Men's Associate Head Coach Jason Tapp. You're listening to the Party Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Castbox. Hi, this is RPI men's hockey coach Dave Smith, and you are listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Back on the Parting Shots podcast, last Friday, Union Men's Associate Head Coach Jason Tapp became a United States citizen. I spoke with him about that earlier this week. Well, Jason, uh, let me ask you, how does it feel to be uh, an American citizen? Has it sunk in yet? Uh, yeah, like I said, I think the first time I get to be able to vote, it'll really sink in, but it just feels like I got another day, to be honest. But it was nice to go through the process and get it. Like I said, it was a long time coming, so it was nice to go through the process and get it done. What was it like on uh, last Friday when you uh, got sworn in as an American citizen? Uh, it was a pretty cool experience, you know, just to see uh, there's 50 others that were 49 others, um, 50 total that were going through the process and just to see where everybody was coming from and the different countries listed and have my family there and um, some friends was great. Rick came as well, so it was, it was great to have Rick there. So it was, it was quite the experience. 
um, you know, it's definitely a memory that I'll have and cherish for the rest of my life. What led you to the process of uh, wanting to become an American citizen? You grew up in British Columbia. Uh, you went to school at BU. Uh, were you thinking about, you know, long-term, you know, when you're at BU, you think you go back to Canada after that? What led to this whole process? Uh, yeah, I didn't ever really picture myself staying in the States. And, you know, I went to BU and thought I was going to play after. And then when I was done, I was going to go back to Canada. And then, um, obviously, I met Nicole at, at BU, and we've been together ever since I was there so it's just you know basically more family than anything uh, with the three young ones we have and just like I said I think the big thing is just being able to vote um, not nationally but you know locally as well and in, in those elections and vote for your family and do those things so it's just my green card was expiring and so it was just whether I re-up my green card for another 10 years or do the citizenship so it was just it was time so yeah. Talk about, I mean, maybe a lot of people don't know, what do you have to go through in the process of applying for citizenship as far as testing and all that stuff? Talk about that process. Um, yeah, so basically a lot of it's just paperwork um, you have to fill out. For me, I think one of the most difficult things was um, the fi- last five years, every time you left the country. So obviously with our recruiting schedules, there's a lot of there's a lot of that in there. So, um, And then just the test, you have to prefer prepare for a, a test and it's u.s history and constitution and all those things so um there's about 100 questions that they can ask and they pick 10 from the 100 and you have to get uh six uh, right out of 10 so i was fortunate to go six for six how about balancing that you know studying for the test uh, going through the process you know and with the, your job here associate coach recruiting i mean how difficult where'd you find the time to uh do the studying uh, traveling, really. You know, it was pretty easy. I had a link on my phone uh, right to the practice test. So um, I just kept, whenever I had some free time at night, my wife and I would quiz me and I'd take a few t- tests at night every every night before I went to bed. And then on the road, uh, same thing. If I had some free time, I would uh, click on a practice test and just take a, take a practice test. And then I did some tests with the guys as well and uh, uh, doing some film with them and just kind of go through so you just kind of piece it together once you kind of get familiar with uh with the questions it it comes pretty easy was there a hard question that maybe stumped you a little bit along the way uh just the constitution stuff was i wasn't too familiar with um you know and the bill of rights and those kind of things and then certain presidents and um you know who was president during world war ii and and world war one and and those kind of things and just kind of know your history a little bit um was the most difficult uh, i would say for me what does it mean, especially in this turbulent time here, I mean, without getting into debates about uh, what's going on in the country right now as far as the political atmosphere, why is it important for you now to be able to vote, uh, especially with this being a presidential election? Um, I don't know. I just I think it's, it's great for my kids to see. I think, you know, in the U.S., I, I don't think the – you know, enough people vote from what you see of the numbers of how many people vote. Um, you know, I think it's a tremendous honor to be able to vote in an election. I haven't actually voted in Canada forever. So, um, you know, to be able to vote in an election was the big thing. And like I said, I think you want to vote for your family's values and, and you know, whatever they may be. Um, and that was, that, like I said, that was a huge reason for me. What, what is the difference with Canada? Obviously, they, they have a prime minister up there as opposed to the president. They can, they can call elections anytime, correct? I don't believe that. I, 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 you got you stumped me on that one. I don't even know. I think I think it's pretty similar to the U.S. Um, yes, I'm not sure if it's every four years or not. I'm pretty sure it's every four years. But yeah, I think the the process is is fairly similar. I just know there there's a few different 
you know, it's not the two-party system that we have uh, in the U.S., so I think that's probably the biggest difference is that it's not a two-party system. Uh, where do you go from here? I mean, just I mean, I'm not going to ask you a particular party, but uh, where do you see this, the, the country right now? Um, well, I registered as an independent, so, um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I think, you know, so, socially my my views are, are very liberal, um, so you, know, you can take that from me. I think fiscally, uh, you know, financially, I'd probably lean towards, the, before, uh, a little bit more towards the Republican Party, um, but now you can see the, the debts skyrocketed in trillion dollars. Um, so, you know, I'd say I, I think they've kind of maybe lost their way a little bit with uh, the fiscal responsibility of the, the, the debt booming, but certainly uh, my social views are, are definitely liberal. Well, Jason, appreciate it, and congratulations once again on uh, becoming a U.S. citizen, and uh, I know it's going to be an exciting time when you get a chance to vote for the first time as a U.S. citizen. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Mike and I will be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment. Back on the podcast, we're going to open up the Union Hockey Mailbag. We have a question, uh, Mike, uh, from David Trestick. Uh, Trestick, excuse me. And he says, he wants to know our thoughts on Graziano's play in uh, the game against Dartmouth. And also he wants to know if uh, Union has a full-blown goaltending competition for the starting gig. Um, the answer to B is no, um, as we've already addressed. Um, as far as Graziano, I mean, that, you know, his first start of his college career coming under the circumstances that they did, him joining the team midseason and, and uh, kind of getting thrown in there, um, you know, that everyone was saying he had jitters and they were cognizant of that, his teammates, and they were, you know, pumping him up and making sure he, you know, he had his head on straight and everything. And Darian was giving him advice. And, and you know, as far as his play, I, he, he wasn't asked to do much. He only faced 22 shots. Um, kind of a small sample size to really assess what the, the punch potential is there. Um, but meanwhile, one thing we forgot to mention, we were talking about him last week, and I, and I forgot to ask him, too, when he showed up after the game, uh, after the Dartmouth game, but going back to the Harvard game the night before, when he came in there, he had to face two five-on-threes against uh, this ridiculous power play, yeah. and they scored on both of them when it was still five-on-three, so... That, that was a fun little welcome. I know he had gotten in for like seven minutes um, earlier uh, in a game, uh, but that had to be a little eye-opener for a freshman goalie yeah. who's like only been on campus for a couple months, and all of a sudden he's back-to-back five on Here you go, Here you go, son. Yeah. Welcome to college right. hockey. <laughs> so, right. You're um, on your yeah. own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. right. uh, uh, one other question, which actually was posted last week uh, from Mateo Pascasio, 
he's asking, do you think Union will ever renovate Mesa Rink? Um, stay tuned. I don't know you, Rick Bennett. Stay tuned. <laughs> I, hey, I, you know, um, just using the material that's out, you know, I'll steal anybody's material. Um, I really don't see this as being a dead issue right now. I don't have anything really concrete to go on, but um, I think they – they need to do something. Um, and we've talked about this before, yeah. too. I mean, the parking situation is a nightmare. I, uh, I don't know if I've told this anecdote, but if, like it was four or five years ago. That was like four years ago. And I was parked in the, the little teeny um, media faculty athlete lot, whatever that is, right next to it. Otherwise, you're parking on the road yeah. there on both sides of the residential neighborhood. And as I was getting out of my car, um, someone in a pickup truck was getting out of their driver's side and they were pointed, you know, in the direction. So the driver's side door was out on the road and I'm walking all of a sudden here, there's like loud smashing Ooh. sound and uh, some profanity. And like someone didn't see the door open and took it off or um, so uh, I was like, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, the parking situation is a nightmare and um, as far as renovation of mess, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of questions about the future of, of, you know, personally, their, I th their their home situation. Personally, I think they have to build a new ring. I mean, you can renovate it fine, but it's over 40 years old. Uh, there are problems with it. Uh, I was, yeah, I've, you know, they've talked about you know blowing out the wall near the football field to expand them I mean, for coaches' offices. But I, I think if you do that, you just, I think you're just wasting money. It may, and I've always been a proponent of you know, where the old soccer field is. Uh, I think there's plenty of room to put a facility up there. Um, I, I, I mean, I think they missed an opportunity in 1997 to go off campus, uh, but they picked the wrong site, and the, uh, the the players didn't want to go off campus. And that was at a time when Union didn't really own a lot of that uh, land right. down down at that area down in the before, you know, not, uh, not street area where the uh, apartment is now used to be the, I think, Ramada Inn down or Marriott yeah. was a hotel. And I, I thought they could have built across the street where Price Chopper's uh, offices are now. But uh, I, I, to me, I think it's, you, you might be better off just building a new facility. If, just they, you, if, if they can find, find the financing for something like that, people love Messer Rink. And the players love it. The yeah. fans love it. But think of the impact the new arena somewhere would have uh, no matter where it is, and from a recruiting standpoint, I mean, hockey is like the huge identity. Now, football kind of regained its glory this year, for sure, at, on campus. But, you know, it's a hockey school. And, the you know, from a recruiting standpoint, from a fan standpoint, um, man, that would really create a, a tremendous amount of excitement. I mean, the me, I remember there was talk of a long time ago with uh, the Albany River Rats, Walter Rob, about building a facility in Schenectady with having the River Rats. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, where were they? I mean, I don't know where were they would build the time. I mean, you can't even build a drink in downtown Schenectady. Where the old Grossman's is um, on Erie Boulevard. Well, they tore down that, that horrible building. But, but now, but now, well, now it's going to be like a, like, a farmer's be, market yeah, or something like that. Convenience so. store, yeah. So, too bad it's not There's land up. around. I mean, they've been. I mean, I, what about where the old, I guess, the movie theater across the street from uh, Katie O'Burns? I mean, is that the. I mean, there's, there's issues there right now. So, oh, the, the yeah, I don't think they want any part of that place. No. It, it's got structural issues and stuff. That place is actually kind of limbo right well, now. Well, we've, we've written about yeah. New side has written about that. Building. So who, yeah, who knows? But I, to me, I think you're. You, I've, I've said this. I think they're better off 
with a new facility because you, you you know you can re- refurbish Mesa, but in ten years it's going to you're going to have other issues. It's an old like I said, old building, and it just might be time to bite the bullet and try to find uh, some money somewhere and get yeah. And if, and I'm not an engineer, but it also seems like whatever they could possibly do to Mesa wouldn't justify the cost. Just again because you still have a parking headache that's not going away. No matter you can turn Mesa Rink yeah. into TD Bank North, and it's still going to have a Massive, um, you know, not, uh, and as a Bruins fan, I'm not 100% endorsing TD Bank North. I've been inside it a few times, and it's it's great and it's loud and everything. I prefer the Wells Fargo Center, but that's I, I, I understand. <laughs> so, well, well, thank you for those questions, and uh, always we're happy to take your questions for the Union Hockey Mailbag. If you'd like to submit a question or comment, you can either email them to me at shot or daily at uh, shot at dailygazette.com, or you can post it on Facebook when I post uh, requests for questions. So I uh, appreciate all your uh, input and uh, help there. You can go look for my weekly ECAC hockey face-off selections at dailygazette.com slash sports slash party shots. You can participate in the face-off selections by emailing your picks to me at shot at dailygazette.com. That wraps up another edition of the Party Shots podcast. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining me once again. We'll do this again next week. I'll be here. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Mike. The Party Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and CastBox. Subscribe today. Follow us on social media. I'm at Slapshots. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And Mike is on Twitter at Mike underscore McAdam. The views expressed on the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. From Mike McAdam, thanks for listening. From the Party Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good hockey.